Thanks for tuning in. This episode was originally recorded for YouTube, so some references might be lost on listeners. To get the full experience and to view current episodes, go to youtube.com forward slash at Rob Talks Beer. That's youtube.com forward slash the at symbol Rob Talks Beer. All right, let's go to the episode. Hello and welcome to Rob from the Internet Talks About Beer, a show where we discuss different styles of beer, beer history, beer flavor profiles, we give shout-outs to breweries we think make exceptional beer, and we talk about whatever else happens to come up during the course of the conversation. I'm Rob from the Internet. Let's talk about beer. All right, so joining me today is uh, Roger Mithak. Um, he's, a, he, he's someone who I follow on Twitter, and he's he seems to be... a, a a font of knowledge when it comes to uh, to, to beer, and I, I I was happy when he agreed to be on the show. So if you would, Roger, introduce yourself. Tell me tell me how you got interested in craft beer and what you do when you're not talking to people like me about craft beer. Oh God, um, yeah, I I am Roger Mitek, and Rob pronounced it uh, Mitak, which is the German pronunciation, which I like. I don't hear that very often, um, and I own a company called Thirst for Knowledge. Uh, which is a beer education company. And within that, we have Prudhomme Beer Certification, which is our multi-level beer sommelier program. Um, I personally think it's the best in the world, but uh, I am a touch biased. Um, you asked how I how I got into craft beer. And I, I should say, I got into beer at an early age. My dad um, enjoyed his beer and he was German. So I, I got to try it when I was very young. Um, and then, you know, gradually as you hit the age of majority, you drink what was around and it was primarily, you know, the regular stuff that we had back in the, oh God, seventies and eighties. Um, I was really, really lucky. Um, in 1997, I was shifting careers and I landed, um, with a company called the Olin specialty beer company. And it was a specialty division of Labatt at that time and uh, was really a micro version of Interbrew. And so we were tasked with selling things like Alexander Keith's, uh, Stella Artois, left, left, all the left products, Hugarden, all these, these really intricate, cool imported Belgian beers. Um, and my training was unbelievable, the amount of information that they gave us. And it just really lit a fire under me to enjoy really good beers. So along the way, I've been able to watch the craft industry grow um, from virtually nothing, maybe brick brewing, you know, back in those days um, to, you know, well over 350, probably over 400 breweries in Ontario now and, uh, you know, well over a thousand in Canada. So it's a really interesting evolution that I've been able to witness. Um, and I'm really enjoying a lot of the beers. I think brewers are, making great beers these days um sometimes it takes a little bit of time to make a great beer sometimes it takes a year or two before you're you're really into the groove mm -hmm. um but um i'm yeah i'm really enjoying it i'm not always fond of every particular style but um i'm i'm loving what's going on so 
That's awesome. You know, it, it's funny that you should mention Brick uh, Brewing. Uh, I actually know Jim Brickman. Uh, he, 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 he is a consultant for Schooner Brewing, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the shirt I'm wearing today. Uh, he, he's got a, a new venture called uh, Rocket Hop where he is making uh, schnapps from, uh, from beer, which is fantastic. And, and dude, the, the product is amazing. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. I've only met him once. Um, he's a, he's a wealth of knowledge and a he is. very innovative person. And, and dude, he, he is, he is so, he is so about the process. I mean, you know, there for him, for him, it is a, you do this to get this and he's got the numbers and he's got everything just, I mean, he can pull stuff out of his head that I would have to sit down and calculate, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah. If I'm looking and he's like, Oh, you just do it like this, this, and this. And it's like, wow. You know, it, it, it's amazing. And, and that's, that's great because, you know, he is helping the, the, the Schooner Street Brewery guys uh, do their brewing and come up with their process. So they're going to make fantastic beer, which is yeah. for, for everybody. I, you know what? I'm so glad that he's back in the industry in some way, shape or form, because he, he was gone for a long period of time. And, and we miss people like that. We miss people with history um, and depth of knowledge. And I, I think that's a really cool thing that, that guys like him are sticking around. Yeah, no, it is. And it, it's great because, you know, that, like you said, that wealth of knowledge, getting it passed down to, to newer brewers is fantastic because then it doesn't get lost along the way. You know, that, that's, that's the worst part is if someone who, who like Jim, who, who, uh, who, who makes good beer and has, and, and knows the process in and out, you know, when, when their knowledge doesn't get passed on, that, that's a loss for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. All right. So uh, you said uh, you had a lot, a lot of stuff uh, with, with Belgians and stuff. Um, is that your favorite style of beer? Um, it might be my favorite country. Um, I mean, I have an affinity towards German beers simply because of my background, but I also think they make amazingly qualitative beers. They do. Um, the Germans were somewhat hampered by the Purity Act, and um, the Belgians weren't really hampered. So um, I'm enamored with the thought process and the complexity of most Belgian beers. Okay. So, um, and I've been over there multiple times. Um, you know, for personal adventures, but also for business and work. And uh, it never ceases to amaze me. I mean, you know, when we started out in 97, they used to talk about it being the land of beer. And beer was important to a Belgian as wine would be to someone from France or Italy. And when you go over there, you really you grasp that really quickly. Yeah, I've never been. It's on my list of places to go. Yeah. Uh, if you really want to go, um, go try to plan. I, I doubt it will happen this year, but next year <laughs> they have an amazing celebration in Brussels called beer weekend. And it's a beer festival that's held in the grand place in Brussels. And it's done on labor day weekend. Oh, um, nice. And they march the beer in and every, like every major brewery is there, all the trap is there and you don't get, you don't get shitty plastic sampling cups. You actually get small branded glassware. Every, oh, cool. everywhere you go it, and you just give it back. They give you a coin and you give it back and then you get a next one at the next place. It, it's unbelievable experience. Very cool. Yeah. So like you, um, I, I've been, I've been, uh, drinking beer and I was exposed to beer very early. Um, I'm a, I, I'm a German, uh, by, by heritage. Uh, I'm, I'm only second generation, uh, born in North America. So uh, majority of my family actually still lives in Germany. 
Um, so beer was always a thing. My, my grandfather and my grandmother on my, my, on my dad's side had beer. We had, you know, anytime we were visiting lunch, dinner, sometimes breakfast, you know, grandma was kicked cooking in the kitchen. If you came in and you weren't bringing her a beer, you were ushered right back out of the kitchen, you know? <laughs> so, and then, you know, uh, I, I have an uncle who was a brewer for Coors in Golden, Colorado. So, I mean, beer, cool. is, it, it's, it's in my family and, and it's something that I, I've enjoyed for years. Um, and, and I'm a home brewer, so I've been brewing on and off for 15 years myself. So I enjoy all the different styles because I like beer and I like to experiment and see how far I can push my knowledge and my boundaries. So, that's cool. Um, I love it. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Belgian beer. We're going to be talking about Flanders Red, uh, sometimes also called a uh, Flemish Red Brown. Um, so uh, it's it's a uh, it's a sour ale. Uh, typically, it's uh, it's um, soured with uh, lactobacillus as opposed to uh, Saccharomyces. Uh, it, from from what from what I've learned, um, and. It, there might be some that use something else, but uh, primarily it seems to be lactobacillus uh, is it's what's used in the souring process. And it's typically uh, aged for uh, long periods of time. So you're talking a year or more for it to uh, to, to get that, that nice uh, mellow flavor that, that you expect from it. I mean, it's still going to be sour and it's going to have a bit of bite to it. But it's it, it's not it's not like um, it's not overly acidic and it's not overly uh, biting when, when you drink it, at least from my experience from what I've had. Um, they tend to have a strong fruit flavor, uh, and, and a similar aroma. Uh, so you're, uh, you know, typically it's like what prunes and raisins, maybe dates and figs. You're going to get that kind of stuff out of it. Um, you might get some, 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 uh, citrus out of it, like orange, and, or you might get, you might get some floral flavors out of it, like, um, you know, so, so like rose hips or things like that. And you might pick up because it is a Belgian, you might pick up some of the spiciness, which you typically get from, from Belgian beers. Uh, so you might get a little bit of coriander. You might get a little bit of, of black pepper, things like that. So um, it's, 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 it's a, a favorite style of mine. And to be honest, I hadn't ever really done any research into it. It was just one of those beers that I'd pick it up and I'd enjoy it. And it was kind of interesting doing my, my, my research to, to, to find out, oh, well, this is probably why I enjoy it. Because I really enjoy like uh, doubles and quads that have that, that, prune and fig and date and that, that sweet kind of body to them. So, you know, it makes yeah. sense that this is one I like. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really, it's a really cool style. Um, it, it's interesting that you talked about lactobacillus and, um, and saccharomyces. Saccharomyces is a yeast. Um, and typically the yeast strains that they're using in Belgium, um, especially with Flanders. So when you're making lambic beers, you would just, open the windows and the doors and let the yeast come in naturally. So that's um, typically Britannomyces yeast and they're, they're known as wild yeast. So they create this real funky barnyard kind of characteristic. Right. So the thing with Flanders beers is they use Britannomyces yeasts, but they use it in a controlled condition. So they'll actually add it as opposed to allowing nature to do its thing. And then the lacto um, is bacteria that's created once they put it into the barrels. So it's not like they're taking um, a ton of lactobacillus and adding it the typically the souring is coming because they're they're aging it in a barrel um, gotcha where, where it's exposed to a little more nature yeah and it's and it's open a lot of it's open air so um so you're getting a little bit of the bacteria that's fitting in there and you're 100 percent bang on that they're aged because they're typically uh blended beers so you get beers that are 
um, like Rodenbach has a variety of different blends in the styles mm -hmm. that they're making or the varieties that they're making. Uh, Duchesse de Bourgogne is, is slightly different. It's got a little different characteristic to it, but I've got both of them here so we can, we can chat about those. Nice. So could you re repronounce uh, the Duchess one? Because I always pronounce it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Duchesse de Bergan. They, I, I just, I just, it, it just gets lost in, in, in my head. I, I, and I always just, I'm like, I don't know. It's Duchess born something or other. And they always know what I'm talking about. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the one you want. <laughs> Listen, Duchess, Duchess is fine. I'm pretty sure the guys that are selling it could care less if you call it Duchess or Duchess. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I've got the glassware here with me as as well, so we can talk a little bit about um, why each of these brands has got, because I'm going to pour them into two glasses, and then we can talk a little bit about them, but talk about why they've chosen those glasses to represent their Excellent. particular brands. Yeah, I just have a, a standard uh, tulip glass because that's typically what I use to drink um, Flanders or or any Belgian beer, really. I put it yeah. in a tulip. That's a good glass. I like that glass. So it has a lot of capabilities to it. Yeah, if I'm not using, uh, if if uh, I have three of these and if they're all dirty, then I switch over to a, a Teku uh, because it's a similar yeah. shape. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also a nice glass. Yeah. So I I have um, I have a local. Uh, this is um, uh -huh. forked, forked River Flanders Barrel Age Flanders Red. Uh, it's a 2018. So it's it's a it's a wow. few years old. Uh, I've got a 2016 and a 2017 in the cooler as well. <laughs> so good luck I'm getting go. that wax off. Uh, I, I got most of it off already. So, <laughs> so. Um, you know what? I um, there's a there's a couple of breweries in Ontario that make amazing Flanders Reds. Fork River is one of them, um, and Royal City in Guelph makes an amazing Flanders Red as well. Um, and there's not a lot of others that are are doing that. A lot of people are doing. <laughs> you know, what we're calling kettle souring now. So they're right. adding lactobacillus into kettles and then they're not aging it up to, you know, two years in wooden barrels, which, you know, what yeah. you were talking about earlier, Rob, is um, the thing about Flanders beers is they, they tend to be really well balanced. They, you know, they have a lot of complexity, but you were saying that they don't have, you know, a ton of acidity that it comes in really nicely. Um, and, and that's the thing that I like about, both Royal Cities and Flanders and uh, Fork River is they are really well balanced beers. Yeah, I I, I love I Royal two. City. I don't know what to do. Yeah, look at that. You got to double fist it. That's that, that's the kind of gumption I like for the yeah, show. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go back and forth so I can I can figure it out. You can see, you know, from my uh, glass that the Rodenbach is quite a bit lighter than the the Duchesse. Yeah, yeah, and Rodenbach makes fantastic beers. I actually um, it was. When we bought this house, uh, we bought this house uh, three and a half years ago. A friend of ours who's an architect helped us do the, the designs for the reno, and he gave me a 2013 Rodenbach wow. uh, that he had just had sitting on the shelf. And he's like, you know what? And we cracked it open while he was here, and it was, it was, it was a fantastic beer. I mean, it was like if I, I could have got a case of that and put it in the cooler, I, I would have been, been drinking it for, for 24 yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> but, Cheers. Yeah. So yeah, cheers. So this one, um, this one's kind of a light uh, coppery brown color. It's uh, it's slightly hazy, which, uh, from my understanding, is acceptable in the beer. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be completely clear, um, although it does range from completely clear to slightly hazy um, in, in the style guide. Um, and 
it it uh, it's got uh, some medium bubbles coming up through it. Nothing nothing crazy. It's not like overly carbonated like you get some some uh, um, some like Berliner Weiss and things like that where they have a whole bunch of bubbles coming up. This just has light to medium bubbles coming up, and yep. it's got a fantastic aroma. Um, you can tell as soon as you as soon as you put your nose over it that it is a sour. Uh, there there's no there's no disguising it. It's got that it's got that uh, typical sour ale kind of aroma. Um, but I am I am getting I am getting the the dark fruits. I'm getting like plum and raisin from it. So it you know it, it's making my mouth water. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't so, you shouldn't let your mouth water too long. Yeah, if, if you um, a lot of the major Belgian producers um, make sure that their beers are clear. So style guidelines have changed a lot because uh, a lot of craft brewers don't filter to the same degree that traditional breweries do. Right. Um, and, and that's okay. Um, I think that you just have to take into consideration. I mean, you know, when we started drinking beer, the two of us probably, if you saw cloudy beer, you'd say it was bad and you'd send yep. it back. But nowadays, you know, we understand that um, a little bit of haziness in a beer, or even cloudiness in beer is actually quite beneficial because it adds a little bit more body and flavor to it. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's true. So, like, if you're a person who who typically drinks, say, one of the big macros, uh, Miller, Coors, Budweiser, Molson, whatever, um, those beers are traditionally and, and for the most part always crystal clear. You can see right through them. And and I'm not knocking it, but they don't have a lot of body. They are designed to be refreshing beers, not necessarily sure. flavor flavorful beers. Yeah. No, and that's that's I, that's the way I like to look at it as well. I I try not to ever tell anybody that what they're drinking is the wrong thing. I think people have to make their own choices. But if you choose those beers, you're choosing it because you want something thirst quenching and easy to drink and not necessarily because it's got tons of body to it. But right. um, these, these sours are amazing. Um, you know, these Flanders reds, because you, like you said, the acidity is there, um, but it, it varies in what kind of acidity you're looking for. So with some of the newer ones, what we tend to find is a lot of almost sour candy. Mm-hmm. Whereas these ones are typically more on the cider vinegar sour or the balsamic side of it yes. sour. And when you're talking about all the dark fruits, I mean, it's really easy to smell Duchesse de Bergan or even, um, you know, the, the forked river that you have um, and a lot of balsamic. So you think about the fig and the dates uh, characteristics that you're getting the Rodenbach, not quite balsamic, but more sour cherry. And yeah. so you, you tend to get almond and sour cherry quite a bit off of all of the Rodenbachs. Yeah, that, and that, that, that's what I found as well. Uh, the Rodenbach tends to be more like, uh, at least for me, I didn't get a whole lot of almond, but almond's one of those flavors that I really have trouble picking up if it's not the primary flavor. Um, but with the Rodenbachs, I do get the the sour cherry. And it's, yeah. you know, it's one of those, it's like, yeah, once you taste it, you're like, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. I, and the other thing that I would I would really suggest, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the glassware in a second, but I would suggest with, especially with Flanders sours, you have to pour them, let them open up a bit. They're almost like red wines where you, you need a bit of oxidation. You need them to open up and breathe because then what happens is some of that acidity just tones down and then right. it becomes really thirst quenching because acidity in mild versions is quite drying in your mouth and very thirst quenching and it actually makes you want more. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I drink this and I want more. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've actually never had this one before. It's the first time I've had the, uh, the Fork River. Um, and, and it's just been sitting there waiting for someone to drink it. And uh, this was the perfect opportunity. And it, 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 it is, it's a damn fine beer. I mean, um, I've, I've had several other beers from Fork River and I've never been disappointed by their beers. Um, and I wasn't expecting to be disappointed, but I, I wasn't expecting this level of, of, of uh, flavor from this. Yeah, you're you're lucky that you have that. I mean, and that's a 2018 that wouldn't sit in my house for very long. So, um, <laughs> but I, but the good thing is that there are some beers that age really, really well, and that's one of them. So, um, you know, with sour beers, and what's the alcohol content on that? I, it's got to uh, be seven point three, is what it says. Yeah, so high alcohol and acidity actually make for good aging um so you can you know you can get some some nice life out of that it's going to change slightly from being fresh to new it's probably the acidity is probably a little softer yeah it is it's very um it's yeah. there but it's not it's not like punch you in the mouth sour it's yeah. you take you take a drink you open your mouth and then it's like here's the sour <laughs> yeah this one this is the duchesse this is big ass acidity right up front. Like it, you can smell tons of balsamic on this one. And when you take a sip, there's almost an acidic burn going down your throat. So this one, when I do it in classes, I always tell people it's a different thing to taste it now than it is in five minutes, because what happens is the acidity tends to drop a little bit. And then all that complexity you were talking about with the dark fruits that tends to show up. Right. Well, and I found that with a, with a lot of the Belgian beers, um, they say that they're, you know, whatever their serving temperature is, uh, you know, anywhere from, from 7 to 12 degrees Celsius, uh, which is anywhere from 40 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit for my friends who are not metric friendly. Um, they're good, but if you let them warm up just a little bit beyond yeah. that, they, they really open up. Like um, I recorded a show two days ago with a couple of guys who do a beer podcast, and one of them had never had uh, Chimay before in his life. Oh. And, we, and we did Chimay Red, so the double. And he's like, uh, no, I mean, sorry, it was Chimay Blue. It was it was the uh, the strong the quad, yeah, the quad, yeah. And uh, he had never he'd never had anything from it. And he's like, I, you know, I I've never had Chimay. He was he he was a little bit uh, he was a little bit afraid when we first started, <laughs> and he drank it, and it just, I mean, you could see it on his face. His eyes just opened up, and he was like, wow, this is an amazing beer. And you know, that's what this show is all about. And it's cool when a guest hasn't had a style of beer. They try it and they're like, oh my God, this is something I'm going to add to my, my tool belt. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? I think any, anything that you can do to help people open their eyes is, is a fantastic thing for the beer industry. Um, you know, I, I've been in the beer industry since 97 and it's the thing that drives me and I, I want to see it continue to grow and prosper, but we just have to help people to understand a little bit more, right? We do. And, you know, that, that's, that's one of the biggest things is, you know, I, I've, I've been the guy who shows up at a party with, with three bottles of beer talking to the guy who shows up with the, uh, the 30 pack of Corona. And by the end of the night, the guy leaves half his 30 pack of Corona behind and he's taken one of my beers. Oh God. <laughs> you know, so uh, true, true story. Four, 
four or five years ago, I went to a, a cookout at a friend's house and this guy showed up with a 30 pack of Corona and he's like, I brought this and I brought three bottles of uh, different beers and they were all, they were all from different craft breweries, but they were all um, double digit ABV. And he's like, oh, you only brought three beers. I'm like, yes, but these three beers have more alcohol than your entire 30 pack does in each bottle. <laughs> and, and he, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I, I don't like craft beer, blah, 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 blah. And I gave him one and one of them happened to be uh, a, a triple and uh, he drank it and he's like, I didn't know beer could taste like this. No. You know, it's, it's because people grow up with, with, you know, here's what my dad drank. Here's what my grandpa drank. So that's what I drink. And they don't, yeah. they don't experiment. And, and, you know, they try something new and, and, and it, it's, it's always, it's always amazing when someone tries something new and you just see it on their face that, wow, I didn't know beer could be like this. Yeah, it, it, I you're describing that whole concept of when the light goes on, right? Like when, yep. because I, I mean, there's so many things that you can do with beer as well. Um, you know, if you teach people how to pour it properly, like you were saying, um, the right temperature is so important, and the right glass is so important um, that it's that epiphany that people have when they sit there and they and their eyes get open up and they go, "I had no idea." Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a fun experience one time I was doing a beer and food tasting with, um, people at the beer markets and, um, we, we had gone through this whole tasting. And the one thing that they had on the menu, these Belgian waffles that had flambéed bananas and some creme fraiche on it. So some whipped cream and, uh, I paired it with Budweiser and, um, when, <laughs> And they almost everybody did that. They laughed and they said, are you like, you're out of your mind. And I said, maybe, but maybe you should just try it because let's see what happens. And it blew their minds because they had no idea that you could a pair bud with anything. <laughs> Other B, than like a hot dog from upstairs. Yeah. 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 But the interesting thing is Budweiser's got lots of banana aromatics and so it just made the transition really, really easy. So you just sort of had these things sort of go together. But again, you know, it's fun when you can help people to see the light. It really is. And, and that's, the, that's the entire purpose of this series of videos is to just try and help people realize that there's more out there than, than, than what you might be drinking. And it's nothing to be afraid of. You know, you can go to a craft brewery. You can go to any, just about any craft brewery that has a, a, a tasting facility. And you can ask for a sample and nine times out of 10, they'll give you just a tiny little bit. So you can say here, I want, Oh yeah. I'm not sure this is something I'm going to like, you know, or you might yeah. be like, Oh, Oh yeah. Now this is something I might actually like, and you'll try a bigger pour. So, I yeah. mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. And, and a lot of people are, are afraid. I mean, there's no other word for it. They're afraid to step outside that comfort zone, that, that little box that they've put themselves in for beer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, we're starting to break those things down. I think, it, you know, people are, are still, like you said, a little afraid of, of stepping outside that comfort zone. Um, but it's happening. And a lot of the craft breweries, you know, even though a few years ago, everybody would have had an IPA, a lot of the craft breweries are making lighter tasting beers now. So they're making Hellas's and Kolsch's and Pilsner's. So they, they know that they have to appeal to a broader range of people. And I think people to say that they don't like craft beer, they simply haven't found a beer that they like from a craft brewer. And I think, right. like you said, like they, they put these thoughts in their brains that, you know, craft beer, like they might've had somebody's shitty homebrew a long time ago. And in their brain, they're going, uh, like craft beer, 
equals that. And what they don't understand is that craft beer is so wide and diverse now that you can find all kinds of different things. Like, you know, I, I think this whole concept of being afraid, a lot of people, when you talk to them say, I don't like sours. Well, maybe, but maybe you haven't had a Flanders red. Like maybe, maybe you don't like that intense sourness from a kettle sour. Um, but maybe you'll like that soft, gentle sourness that's coming from a Flanders red because it's been aged and you won't know until you try it. And then all of a sudden your mind opens up that sours are not actually all that bad. In fact, they're quite good. Right. Yeah. I had a friend who, uh, who refused to drink Saison's because uh, every time people talk about them, they're like, oh, it's got this funky taste or it's got this kind of grassy taste. And he's like, I don't want to feel like I'm drinking lawn clippings. And I'm like, dude, it's not like that. And uh, I poured him uh, just, you know, I have a little taster glass. I poured him some, he drank it. And he was like, this is not what I expected when people say it's funky and it's yeah. grassy. I'm like, no, it's, that's just the closest thing that, that we can associate yeah. it with. I mean, you, you have to try and uh, describe things in terms that you know. And, and if all you know is it tastes kind of grassy or it tastes kind of funky, well, you know, that, that might yeah. put some people off and you got to get them to try it. And then, then they'll, you know, in their brain, they'll taste it and, and everybody's palate's different, so they might they might get a little different experience than you, but yep. they might they might just be like, oh yeah, this is something I could really get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, th- I think vocabulary is really important. My wife was we were talking, and I was using the term funky and barnyard, and she said none of those things sound good to me. And yeah. I went, okay, I get it, right? Like I I get it. So, uh, and the other thing about saisons, I mean, I love saisons too. Um, they they're so wide and varied now. Um, and they there's are. some really, there's some really good ones out there. Um, great lakes in the past has made a great saison. Um, I love again, Royal cities, um, hibiscus saison is fantastic. Um, it's one of my wife's favorites. Yeah. But down, I, I think they're probably not too far from you, but muse brewing, um, they're making a saison that is absolutely fantastic. Like, and it's very, very true to style. Um, and there's some interesting saisons in the LCBO right now too. So you can get from Belgium, you can get Saint Fuyen and also Dupont. Dupont's a little edgier. Saint Fuyen's got a little bit more sweetness to it. So it's, yep. it's got a little bit more bright fruit, but I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I went to, uh, we had a, <laughs> we had a social gathering, believe it or not, a little, about a week and a half ago with some friends and my wife convinced me to do a beer tasting for these people. And the majority of the people there that out of the six of us, three of them weren't really big beer aficionados. In fact, one person doesn't drink beer at all. So I took a variety of different beers and I actually took Rodenbach sour, the Flanders red. And the person who doesn't drink beer fell in love with that beer. Well, so, I, I, I can see that because yeah. the, the Flanders sours, they're, they're very much more, I mean, they lean that for me anyway, they seem to lean more towards like your wines and, and things like that. Um, they're not, they're not, they're not your typical beery beer. No, no. And, and I think that's a good, the, the cool thing is that there are so many beers out there right now that don't actually taste and look like beers that people start getting out of their brain that they had this bad experience with, you know, a blonde beer 20 years ago that they never got the taste of. They just haven't found the right beer yet. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I, I very much believe the same thing. Uh, one of the things I tell people, you know, uh, who, who I've talked to and who've asked, 
hey, you know, I'm looking to try some craft beer. I only drink, you know, like I only drink Bud or I only drink Miller. I'm like, well, well, try a craft beer that's like uh, a Czech Pilsner or try something that's a blonde ale. It's not going to be that far off the path from what you normally drink, but it's going to be different. It's going to have yep. a little different flavor profile, but it's still going to be familiar enough that you're not going to be, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah, it's not like taking a trip to Mars, right? Like you're just right. you're just going around the corner and you're going to try something that's slightly different, but it's close. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm with I'm with you 100. I think that's the easiest thing to do with some people. So um, you alluded to earlier glassware. You've yeah, got two different two different glasses for two different beers. Yeah, this one uh, this is the Rodenbach one. It's called the Gaytan Tumbler. Um, so it's got these ribbed edges down on the bottom. So these are designed to keep your hands away from the beer, but it's tall and um, relatively open so you can get a bit more aromatics. Um, but this glass is ideally designed for something that's thirst quenching and easy to drink. Okay. I don't know if you can see 